dear listeners, welcome to the latest episode of Extra Extra. It's all about whiskey. I remain your host, Jason Johnston Yellen, and joining me intergalactically, I'm suggesting we're using satellites, Joshua, is Joshua Hatton. Hello. Intergalactic, planetary, planetary, intergalactic, intergalactic, planetary, planetary. You know, if anybody's intergalactic, it it's you. you your audio sounds a little different, you know, than it, than it normally does. It does, and by different you mean shite. <laughs> well, I don't use such <laughs> words, but you know, just 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 different. The settings different. Yes, sounds a bit different. Yes, you know. Yes, you will be you will be warming this up in post production, and so any failings that are left are entirely yours. Mm. But yes, the reality of the situation is, I am coming to you live from my brother and sister-in-law's spare bedroom in Ayr, in Ayrshire, in Scotland, the town where I was born, the town where I was raised, the town where I was stranded and abandoned by the US government because I failed my COVID test to get back on a plane earlier this week. Dun, dun, dun. Ah, and let me tell you, see when you fail that test, the wheels really do come off. It is a pretty miserable experience because you're dealing with COVID and you're cancelling flights and you're trying to rebook new ones that you may or may not be on while working out where you're going to live, how you're going to eat and who else you might infect. So it's not recommended, I'll be honest. It's not to be recommended. So so some people say, you know, when you ask them, you say, so how are you doing? And they say, oof, living the dream. It sounds like you're living the nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> Which is what, it's one of those funny things, right? Oh, I'm, I'm stranded in Scotland. Woe is me, right? The weather's been cracking all week. Just for our, our friends around the globe, the, uh, the temperature in Scotland this week hit 19 centigrade Ooh. somewhere around 65 66 fahrenheit no 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 because no. 16 is 61 right so you're, you're 16 is 61 you got two after that but then it's approximately two after that so if you got three c you go up six f <sighs> i think you're dead wrong yeah yeah well here's the bad news it hasn't yet reached 19 centigrade what is 19 degrees centigrade in Fahrenheit. What? <laughs> How's that possible? 66 degrees. That doesn't make sense. Oh, remarkable. I wonder who said that. Is it the guy in Scotland living the centigrade Fahrenheit life? Maybe oh, it is. Maybe it isn't. I thought each degree was like a, a dog year. Anyway, continue. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm that's that's why we don't that's why we don't teach math to Americans, Joshua. <laughs> they just they use it for ill. For ill, I tell you. So so yeah, listen, here, let's let's let the listener in on, on why we're just rambling away to each other here. Is this is a busy, busy time in the whiskey calendar, certainly in the whiskey calendar in Scotland. But it's not a particularly active time in the world of reportage. Mm. And so 
given that I've been away from the US for a week on business, traveling uh, with our very own Jess Lomas and having a brilliant time, and then being stranded for an additional week and not having nearly as brilliant a time, but we thought we'd use an extra extra to catch up on some of the whiskey news stories that have caught our own eye without delving into a full-on article. And and one of the places where I wanted to start is not Wednesday there, but the Wednesday before. Um, Somewhere in May, Jess and I were at the Glenfarclas Distillery not long after the news about the break-in had happened oh my there. Gosh. Yeah. And and it's it's one thing to be reading that story and then another to be standing there to see the damage. They they obviously had it all cleared up real real fast there, but there was an empty cabinet um where the the 60-year-old Glenfarclas had been. And, and and there's a couple of interesting parts here. Yeah. When Jess and I were driving, and it's a road you and I have travelled plenty of times in the past, Joshua. You come past uh, Crag and Moor, it's on your left. You come past Ballandalloch, and it's on your right. You go up that hill and you do a tight, tight <laughs> hairpin back, yep. and there's a sign that says, go off to Glenfiddich here. Our GPS, which we were using Waze in Scotland, was showing an upcoming right turn for Glenfarclas Distillery. Mm-hmm. And I I said to Jess, Jess, you ever seen this right turn for Glenfarclas? And she said, I never have, never have. The the right turn for Glenfarclas is two miles on yeah, yeah. from where it was where it was showing us. And we're like, that's weird. And the right turn was gonna be a real tight on the right, back on yourself, and then up a wee steep huh. embankment. Okay. I thought that that's a weird one. And so we Jess and I we just said, let's just do what we normally do. Stayed on the main road, came around, went through. I think it's Marywell. You see the left turn for uh, for Knock Knockandu, right? The Knockandu yeah. woolen mills over there, yeah. the uh, the Johnny Walker factory in the hills, and and so we drive all past that. Boom! Get up to the Glenfarclas flags. Go down the main driveway to Glenfarclas. And while we were there, we I'd said to Callum Fraser, the distillery manager there, I, I'd said. Callum, our GPS was suggesting this real tight turn. What's that all about? And he looked at me and he said, that would have brought you round by the school. And he pointed out the door of the visitor centre where we were standing. He said, you see that little single track right there? I said, yeah. He said, that goes past the school, brings you in the back to Glenfarclas. That's the route the thieves took. Ah, okay. So, so two things here: a school connected or near a distillery. I want I want to use that as a very tenuous link to something else I want to bring up in a bit. Mm-hmm. But but back to this mm-hmm. story about Glenfarclas. So my understanding was people had broken in, and I don't think this was the first time, and stole a hundred thousand pounds worth of family cask. Bottlings is that is that correct? It it is on the ground at the distillery. We were hearing one hundred and fifty thousand pounds. Wow! Um, in four minutes. 
Was there, so I know, you, I know you spoke with Callum. I know you spoke mm-hmm. with Deborah. Deborah Stewart, yep. Deborah Stewart. Who will also now be representing America for Glen Barclays, as well as other global markets. Correct, correct. Did they, was there a CCTV or internal camera that caught anything? Do they have any leads? What's going on there? So I don't know how much of this I'm allowed to tell you off the record. Um... On record? (laughs) (laughs) I know I can tell you none of it on the record. Um, This is off the record. This is just a chat with friends. Um, The the first person uh, who went in from the group uh, moved the cameras, turned the cameras, so they weren't pointing at the place that they then hit. There you go. There you go. They, They knew what they were doing. Yeah, yeah. There's also a good number of people live on site at the distillery. And so you can imagine when there's a hit on the visitor center, it can feel like a hit on your own oh, yeah. living room. Oh, yeah. yep. And I, I, I will most certainly go on record and say, in talking to people at the distillery, it felt very personal. It yeah. didn't just feel like a, a bunch of bottles had been stolen. Huh. I will I will tell you something that is that's wildly speculative and, and I, you know, is absolutely free game, is what's interesting is, number one, I don't know if, if the, the robbers were intending on, on stealing more things, mm-hmm. but got a bit rattled when an alarm went off. Um, they, they had certainly scoped out the place. But what's interesting is the oldest Glenfarclas bottling the the oldest known bottling yeah is in a case in the visitor center yeah and it and it struck me on one hand you're stealing a whole bunch of really expensive bottles of glenfarclas on the other hand you're gonna have a hard time getting them moved right they're they're known property now Mm -hmm. and in in hearing from different auction houses there has been talk of we will not sell on anything that even looks like yeah. what was stolen. Um, so you then think, oh, maybe maybe it happened to go into a private collection. Mm-hmm. But then the fact that this old oldest known bottle of Glenfarclas was left untouched, I, I feel like it does have a ring of money about it where the bottles were, were necked for resale. And not just a hit job to go into someone's private collection. Oh, like resale as in through a through a shop or through an auction. Yeah. Oh, mm. interesting. See Exactly, yes, exactly. Like like get them sold on through someone, something. We all look at the auctions every yeah. you know, every day, every week, every month. We know what bottles are going for. You know what's sitting in the visitor center at Glenvarclas. Yeah, see, Haida had asked me about this when I brought up the story to her. She said, who, like, you steal these bottles, the auction houses aren't going to accept it. Like, it, it's, right. if you find it in a retail shop, it's going to be kind of odd because some of those bottlings, you know, the the, the rare bottlings. And, and my first thought, my first response was, these people likely knew what they were doing. They probably cased the joint and they probably got customers ahead of time, right? If, like some of those bottles were a thousand pounds, 
5,000 pounds, 9,000 pounds a bottle. If you get a customer that is willing to pay a quarter of that mm-hmm. for their own private mm-hmm. collection, that's still, mm-hmm. quote unquote, found money for the thieves, right? So like, even if they made 10% of a 9,000 pound bottle, that's still money for them. And so I, I wonder if they everything was sort of pre-sold to private collectors, private investors, and was just sold that way on the cheap so it would never surface. I hear what you're saying there. I just, I just think given that four-minute smashing grab, I think you grab what you can, you grab those big-ticket items. Is it, is it another investor? Is it a speculator? Did they sell them on the cheap? Listen, it's pure speculation. Well, pure speculation. I, yeah. But I did like hearing the auction houses saying they weren't going to participate. Well, I, I, I guess the, the one thing we can say that I don't think is speculative at all is whomever did this, organized it, they're assholes. <laughs> I don't think that's speculative. I think that that's fact. <laughs> wow, now that is a declarative statement I can get behind. There we go. Oof, finally. <laughs> oh, it's taken 12 years. Uh, so, yes. Yeah, did, did, did you have anything else to add to that story? I mean, it's so interesting. You were, you were. No, I was, I was going to yeah. bring you around to your specu- speculative uh, well, transition uh, here. Tenu- no, more was it speculative? Tenuous. <laughs> tenuous well, and speculative. You know, I, I, I didn't know that the Glen, that the school by Glenn Farkless had a road that connected the two, and it reminds me of our friends mm-hmm. at Elixir mm-hmm. Distillers. Uh, who are building a distillery on Isla. I'm sure a lot of people have have read the news, have been reading the news. Um, And the distillery is actually right next to a schoolyard in Portellan. And they revealed Mm -hmm. the distillery name, which I personally really like. And I found it very easy to pronounce. But I think it's because I'm used to pronouncing these these Gaelic names and sort of, you know, figuring out why M's sound like V's and BH's sound like V's and most <laughs> letters sound like V's. Um, <laughs> so let's hear how you're pronouncing it then, Hatton. Portnatruan. <laughs> and how's it spelled? <laughs> Portnatruan. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the trouble. It's not. It's spelled Portintruin, and it's pronounced Portnatruin. Oh yeah, Port Portintruin, but it's pronounced yeah. Portnatruin. Exactly. I was talking to Julie Hamilton in Campbelltown oh, wow. last week. Yeah, uh, we had the we had the fun of doing uh, Mark and Kate's uh, open day. Uh, on the Saturday oh, when yeah, Lagavulin yeah. Day was happening on Isla. Yep. Brilliant day. Sun shone. Uh, let's give credit where credit is due. Kate Watt did a magnificent job organizing that one day festival. Of course, she did. Of course uh, she did. Yeah. And and Mark is a hell of a sweet guy. So <laughs> who, to his great credit, poured a lot of whiskey. Poured a lot oh, of whiskey. There you go. There you go. <laughs> and took a power nap at 8 p.m. and was 
very raring to go at 9.30. I'm sure he um, deserved it, yes. And so <laughs> I think Kate might disagree with that. But anyway, and so I was I was talking to Julie Hamilton, who represents Elixir, of course, and and she was saying, yep, we've got the new name, Port Natruin, spelled Port Intruin. So I get to correct everybody all the time. So it's... <laughs> Wow, that's that's funny. You know, I I saw it and I read Port Nutruin, but that's because I suffer from the the dancing eyeballs, right? I don't actually mm-hmm. read things like like most people. I don't actually read all the things. But I said, yeah, Port N- see Port Nutruin sounds more Gaelic than Port Intruin. and so I think I I called upon my inner Gaelic speaker. Uh, so, real, so it is Port and Truin, but it's pronounced Port Nutruin. Yeah, yeah. That's oh, I was I was still hoping to get you there. You were so confident about it, and it was only because you misread it you got the the name right. <laughs> I feel so let down this day. Oh man, but uh, but yeah. for the for, for the listeners, Port Nutruin is that part of land where the original farm was. It's the farmland on which the distillery is being built. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And ground has officially been broken. I mean, they're they're, they're they are building. Jess and Sweet Scott are are on Isla now for the phage, which there's another quick little story I want to bring up there. But they they bumped into Ollie, who was wearing some sort of like '80s glam rock wig. I'm, I, I'm guessing he had a, a a dram or two while he was running around in a wig. <laughs> Um, but they're but they're there celebrating phage as well. Soon to be the tenth distillery. Well, who's gonna win? I mean, you've got Port Port Ellen that is is under construction, and Port mm-hmm. Natruin, which is under construction. But I think I think Port Ellen has has a lead on them. So imagine Port Natruin would then be the. 11th distillery operating distillery on the island right speaking of speculation well and then we've got the then we've got the other farm distillery off the off the west coast of isla as well um where jess is actually friendly with the the family building that uh can you catch me up to date because i that one's escaping me um, I've I've just said all the words that I know. <laughs> There's a, a a small farm distillery uh, in production over on the west coast. A little, I think, a little farther west than uh, Kilhoman. Although I think it would depend on the shape of the island at that point. But it's it's certainly over on that that side it's of not the Gartbrek. island. Gartbreck, and it's just they're, family. They're not moving hmm. forward with Gartbreck. No, I don't think it's Gartbreck. No. Gartbreck was the one from the French outfit, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Just just outside Beaumore, where they they couldn't gain access to the road that would take them to their water supply. We're just spilling all the tea in this episode. This is a good episode. I've also got some Campbelltown news. Uh, you've got some fish news. I've got some more Campbelltown news. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, I I wouldn't call the the last two minutes uh, news. It's us saying, "What's the name of that distillery again?" Jess is over there. They're on a farm owned by a family. <laughs> Is that the 10th? Is that the 11th? Is that the 12th? <laughs> it's a real thing. It really exists. I think it's good for people to know about it. I'll tell you really quickly. So I, as you're talking about that 
other farm distillery, I typed into Google, I just typed in Isla Farm Distillery, knowing full well <laughs> that I would get Kilhoman because that's their tagline, right? Isla's Farm Distillery. Yes. But here's yes. a really interesting thing is, of course, it brings up Kilhoman, and then on the right side of the search, it's, it gives you like their address, it gives you their, their hours, it tells you who the owner is, the phone number, all of this stuff. The number of stills, mm-hmm. that's kind of interesting. But in the hours, it says it's currently open, closes at 5 p.m., and then there's a little warning that says <laughs> Platinum Jubilee Bank Holiday might affect these hours. That's something you don't see in America, Jason. I just want to put that out there. <laughs> I was just trying to get through an entire one of our episodes without mentioning Jubilee. <laughs> <laughs> now we're going to get the usual cohort reaching out to us. So, As much as we're talking here about this unnamed to us, I'm sure there is a name for it, um, farmhouse, farm distillery off the west coast of Scotland, off the west coast of Isla, that isn't Kilholman. Being in Campbelltown and, and going around on my on my trip with Jess, we now know of six distilleries going into Campbelltown. Wait, so there's Dalriata, <laughs> which is... So uh, yeah, that's, that's big and announced. Yep, that's... Yep. That's definitely That's David Stirk and Company's new distillery. I, he was he was in Campbell. I was drinking with him last uh, oh, last okay. week as well. So um, there's the Macrahanish from the people behind Rassi. Ah, uh, that's right. Yes, of course. Right, that one's going in there. There's is there another named one, known one going in? Uh, once you once you. Rounded out with the Macrahanish, I that's where my knowledge ends because I only knew about Dalriata and Macrahanish. Oh gosh, okay, so I'm I'm going to be one of those really good guests right now who isn't going to name names, but we did hear of an independent bottler that's not North Star exploring a Campbelltown site. Mm-hmm. We did hear about. A bit like the Rassi situation, a newer uh, rest of the mainland distiller exploring a Campbelltown site. What? Oh, oh! So an established mainland distillery looking to build a second distillery in Campbelltown. Very much in the Rassi style. Very gotcha. much in gotcha. that style. Gotcha. Okay. So it, it's not a it's not a white Mackay, it's not a Pernod Ricard, you know, it's not a Diageo. Oh, um, okay. And so yeah, we we did hear they're exploring uh, Campbelltown, and then the biggest news of all, and I said to the person that told me this, is this on the record? Is this is this common knowledge? And he said, well, we've been talking about it. We haven't advertised it anywhere. Okay, um, so I can share it. And I was absolutely thinking about telling you and our listeners on the podcast, and so I tried to clear the decks. Springbank are coming out with two new distilleries. What? <laughs> Holy crap. So so obviously they've got Glengyle. 
Yep. Did they say where those distilleries are going to be built? Are they going to be off site? So it sounds like sounds like one more will be on site, mm-hmm. and then one more will be just a little bit off site, where uh-huh. even just across the road from the the current setup that they have. But again, very early days. Hundreds of details can change along the mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. I will say I did find out that the the maltings, so you know how Springbank do 100% of their 100% own maltings? Malting. Yep. And for three weeks of the year, they malt barley for Glengyle. Yeah. They are going to build a malting floor at Glengyle so Glengyle can malt its own barley. That will then give them an additional... Uh, three weeks barley for Springbank to it. increase their output just a hair, just a hair. They they need it. They've become like the pappy of, of Scotch whiskey. Uh, well, in, in speaking yeah. to Ranald, um, he was saying the the one bottleneck that they have, and he did say, excuse the pun, but the one bottleneck that they have is with the malt floor. They are constricted by a finite amount of barley they can malt for distillation. So they're going to free it up a little bit. Um, I did say to him, I think about it all the time, you you and I saw him, probably one of our Whiskey Geek tours uh, with us. He said, in times of boom, we don't increase uh, the amount of distillation. In times of bust, we don't decrease the volume of distillation. Mm-hmm. We just keep Springbank producing right here and we make sure that we hit our numbers and we take care of those who take care of us. He was then alluding a little bit to problems that they've got with their abundant sales. Let's put it like that. That's creating problems for them. So. Uh-huh. But, but isn't that exciting? That's a nice... So there you go. So there's one, two, three, four, five, six. Um, six potentials that we're hearing, uh, in two cases, full announcements. In some of the other cases, a bit of exploration happening. But Campbelltown, eh? It's really, really starting to take off. And, and I will say, Ranald at Springbank, global sales manager for Springbank, has been championing Campbelltown as a location for distilleries for a decade, as long as I've known him. And now people are starting to listen. The Scottish government is starting to listen as well. Uh, was part of a conversation I had with them as well. So Amazing. real opportunities for Campbelltown mm-hmm. as Isla becomes saturated and oversaturated. Unemployment on Isla is 0%. There's not enough housing on Isla. Um it's in Campbelltown has lots of room to grow. So, yeah. Well, yeah. There you yeah, go. Ex- so, exciting time in Campbelltown. Up to nine distilleries. They would just need twenty six more to. Uh, it's twenty eight more to get it to the the previous height of their distillation capacity. What are they? Thirty seven at one point. I realize we're getting close to our thirty five slash forty five minute. I know you say tight 35 all the time, but... Tight 35. <laughs> uh, but there was one last bit of Isla news that I wanted to report. And actually, 
uh, on the day of this recording, I, I put this up in our Single Cast Nation Facebook page, is we've got uh, our, our own beloved Jess and Sweet Scott on Isla for the phage. And lo and behold, they're pouring some whiskeys. And who shows up? None other than Neil Patrick Harris. Little NPH Indeed. showing up to drink some Single Cast Nation whiskey. And apparently he loved the Lechig we have. And I think he, he left the table with a bottle of our Kalila. <laughs> nice. Nice, yeah. nice, nice. Yeah. Uh, to, to emphasize, it's a Lechig cask sample that, uh, yes. that, Les, yes, uh, yes. that Jess has been uh, roaming around with. Yeah, we, we got to treat some people to a few little surprises along the way. We poured our, um, our Catoctin Creek for people in Campbelltown. Mm-hmm. Went over a treat. We've got an upcoming One Nation Under Whiskey with Ian McAllister, yeah. the yep, Glen yep. Scotia uh, distillery manager, and he loved it. Absolutely loved. Oh, Dark that's so Greek. good to hear. Yep. So that was that was very He's cool. Got a good uh, Jess was also roaming around with a bottle of our Virginia Distillery Company. Um, I I wasn't there when we uh, we didn't pour that for anyone in Campbelltown, but she took that off to Isla to pour and so we'll mm. get reports from her on how that fared and then her lechig in cognac cask sample that will ultimately become a rest of the world release uh, for jesse's markets yeah but i will be sourcing the hell out of that it is remarkable it makes me, I'm so glad that you guys brought the Catoctin Creek out and have been pouring it for people. I've been, mm-hmm. so I've been referring to this bottling as a masterclass in balance. It really mm-hmm. has all of these elements that I think would would fail by themselves, but everything is so in balance between the sweet, the spicy, the smoky, that herbaceousness, um... And, and I just think, I, I was nervous, you know. I thought you kind of have to have a sophisticated palate to really get this whiskey. So far, I haven't heard any complaints about it, so I'm I'm psyched. I guess everybody's got a sophisticated palate. Yeah, no, I, I love your use of balanced with that as well. Speaking of balanced, we are allowed to announce today, June 8th, ah. that our, as we were lovingly calling it, our Wolf Island... Our unnamed Highland, very, very small batch, five casks of unpeated single malt scotch and one cask of peated scotch, has taken down a remarkable score of 93 points with the Ultimate Spirits Challenge. And that is just such, such a happy time for all of us. When I saw the news of 93 points, you know, obviously chuffed, excited. <laughs> but what, what I found interesting about this specific bottling is we designed it with, with one idea in mind, that it would be a really well-priced, everyday drinker meant for sharing. And mm-hmm. that's it. 100%. Please the palate. Share it. Have a great time. The fact that an everyday drinker could get 93 points in this competition, and, and you know, 
there's plenty of competitions. I forget who, who said it. Someone had said, I think there may be more awards than there are whiskeys. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I think that that is a thing, but Ultimate Spirits Challenge is is a highly respected one. And F. Paul Picoult is, uh, he knows his stuff. And the fact that he gave us 93 points, it just, it makes me happy I have an extra bottle. Oh, for sure. For sure. And so grab that off shelves if you still see it around. We are working on a take two uh, produced from Sister Casks later this year. Mm -hmm. And we'd love to have that here for OND with the stars aligning and the global logistics happening and the etc. and the so on and the pretty lady uh, to quote, I believe, Jerry Lewis. There we go. So, so there you go. There's a wee catch-up episode for us. Not a lot happening in the in the printed world of spirits journalism, but gosh, have have you and I been experiencing a lot and learning a lot? And it's nice to catch up and share a wee bit with each other. It was nice. I, I miss you being on this side of the pond, but I I hope you're finding some enjoyment over there despite having covid despite being away from your wife and kids and i, I you know. tell you i've walked 19 miles in two days so there you i go. would you know, walk seen 19 the miles and i would walk 19 <laughs> would walk more 481 more <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> Um, all right, we'll get out of here in a tight 35. But before we go, if you want to drop us a note, uh, info at singlecastnation.com or questions at one nation under whiskey.com, no Ian Whiskey. Maybe the next time we'll have a wee news article to, to read and then riff on. But this has been today's episode. A wee catch up with my mate Joshua Hatton. Cheers, Joshy. Cheers, Jason. Cheers, listeners. And thanks to Murray and his good wife, Nicola, for allowing me to broadcast from their spare bedroom in air. Cheerio. (laughs) Cheerio. Peace. Peace. Hello, dear listeners. (laughs) It's Jason and Josh. (laughs) And we're coming to your podcast today. Oh my gosh, that's perfect. A little song, a little Let's dance. You like that one? Yeah, I like that. <laughs> I'm glad you appreciated the dance. Okay, here we go, here we go. <laughs>